0: Gotta keep them separated. Welcome to the Doghouse, your inside look at the Cleveland Browns on ESPN. Nation's Dogs by Nature. Andy McNamara along with Matt Floorjancic. Hope everybody is staying safe, keeping well, and we are going to make this all about sports and give us a, a look ahead to the Browns season, what everybody's been up to. And all that good stuff. Matt, how you doing, my friend?
1: I'm hanging in there, Andy. How about you?
0: Same here. Uh, good news. And by the way, folks, follow us on Twitter at AndyMC81, at MattFleurJancic, and on Instagram at AndyMCSports, at Sports. The gradual return to NFL facilities has been underway for the Browns. They are officially back with some coaches going in. If you go to ClevelandBrowns.com, they show pictures of employees being tested and masked up and all that. So it is a slow return back to the facilities, Matt, which is an important first step. Like, really, along this whole way, any league can lay out the plan. That's great. It's how it's executed, and it's hoping that there's no breakout of the virus. So this is step one, and then hopefully this comes back, more players come in, more coaches come in, and and then we start working towards an actual training camp with everybody in.
1: Yeah, I I think that is where we'll get to eventually, at least I hope. Um, But this is a good, important first step for all all the teams to to start getting back to work. Um, We don't know what this next few months is going to look like, if we're going to see another spike, if we're going to be able to find something that helps us get through this, like a vaccine or what have you, but... Um, it's it's a positive first step. It's one of many that have to be taken. Uh, hockey and the NBA are working through their returns to play as well. God knows what's happening with baseball. I don't know. I oh, think they're going
0: to find a way to
1: ruin a game sport. But, oh. um, yeah, with the NFL, they're really kind of one of the leaders in the clubhouse in that regard is they're trying to get their employees back working in the office as much as humanly possible to try and get some sense of normalcy i don't think it's going to be completely normal we already heard earlier this uh or actually it might have been last week that the nfl has uh, prevented joint practices through training camp and also uh traveling to training campsites everybody has to train in their own building and at their own facilities so there's no trips to colleges. There'll be no joint practices, not like last year when the Colts and the Browns practiced together. I know there were some rumors that the Packers and the Browns are going to practice right. together this year uh, up in Lambeau, right. but that's not going to happen now. And uh, I, I wouldn't expect fans, at least the, uh, the volume of fans, to be able to attend um, training camp this year. Hopefully I'm wrong on that, but at least we're on the way to having some kind of live sport to watch again.
0: Yeah, well, and the training camp thing, like, it was a blast me getting to come down last year, and thank goodness I did it last year, uh, coming down to training camp and seeing all that packed with people. You'd have to think, Matt, if fans in the stands is in question, there's no way that they're going to risk something with a a whole jam-packed full of people, and 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 really the the different training camp location doesn't affect the Browns. They always stay in Berea anyway. So that's at least normal for the team. But yeah, like it just seems like we're going to have to probably wrap our head around and get used to the fact that let's get NFL football let's get the live games. And we might have to sacrifice fans in the stands. Um, one thing I saw was it was like 30% of the NFL's revenue comes from fan attendance to live games, which is, you know, no small chunk of change. But the NFL as a league are in the best position because all the owners have already made a profit before any game is played because of the TV deal. So you want to have fans, but you don't need fans. You just won't make as much money.
1: Right. Right. You won't have the concession sales. You won't have parking. You won't have all the ancillary stuff that go with going to a game. But you still got those TV contracts and you're trying to fulfill those. And that is where the money lies. That's where the money lies for every sport is in those TV deals. The amount of money that ESPN puts out for these rights uh, to broadcast these games is astronomical. I I don't know how they continue to do it, but they're going to be the only one that at some point is going to be able to afford it because they just make so much money on these TV rights deals. And that's why, You look at other sports, the NBA really tried to get back to help finish the regular season before getting in the playoff, but that just wasn't possible. NHL, much the same way, they wanted to get to that 70 games mark for a lot of their teams who were like one or two games shy of the 70-point mark or 70-game mark. And with the NFL, you, you can't really set a mark on it in terms of what's acceptable uh, to the broadcast partners because there's so few games as it is. So would broadcasters be willing to pay a prorated rate for 12 games or 10 or 8? You know, who knows? But that's where the bulk of their money comes from, and that's why they're pushing to get as many games in as possible.
0: Well, that's it. Right. And so that's the main thing you want. And the NFL has the benefit of their season not starting till the fall. So there's still plenty of time. They don't have to try to, to scramble like the other leagues. And there is a window. There's a four week window. And I'm sure they could push it even further if they wanted to move back the Super Bowl because no other they've secured those dates. But Matt, like if if things go whatever and they have to have the Super Bowl the first week of March, I'm sure with all the attention, with all the money, like Tampa Bay, Raymond James, whatever it's called, stadium, isn't going to be like, no, we got something else. You're going to make time for the Super Bowl. You're going to make room for it. So the NFL's you want it to go on time, but you still have that flexibility.
1: Yeah, the host cities know that hosting the Super Bowl is like a cash cow. I mean, you're just going to be making hand over fist, taxes, restaurants, uh, hotels,
0: Assuming fans convention go.
1: centers, parking. I mean, you, it, and then you get into the well merchandising of it, and it's just like, man. I mean, i've I've been this. I've been fortunate to be at three of the uh, the Super Bowls, and the amount of marketing that takes place, and the amount of money that is exchanged in these events, and all the tax money that is generated from restaurants, sales, and everything. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. And it is a cash cow. And these cities are not going to say, you know what? Now nah, we got like <laughs> Monster good. Jam coming in in the early March. <laughs> so we're, we're not going to take the Super Bowl. So that would be a disaster. Yeah. And that will never happen because the NFL will remember that and it will never come back to that city.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. You're listening to the doghouse. You're inside. Look at the Cleveland Browns on SB nation dogs by nature, Andy McNamara, along with Matt Fleur dancing on the Brown side, Matt, we've had different zoom calls with uh, different coaches, coordinators, players. And it seems like for the Browns, as well as can be expected, things are going. Alex van Pelt, the new offensive coordinator said Odell Beckham jr. Has been quote, a model guy and he's all in during these virtual workouts, Baker Mayfield, Matt is jumping in meetings. He doesn't have to go in. He seems like he is fully committed, bought in and, and Van Pelt and Stefanski glowing reviews on what he's been able to do and working on his footwork and all that. I, I, again, you know, every year we get hooked, we get bought in, but I'm really liking what I'm hearing from at least those two players specifically.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think Baker lost a little bit of focus last year. Yeah. Um, I'll say this about Odell and and Jarvis Landry to a greater degree. is Those guys maximized every opportunity that they got last year, and they busted their tails to be on the field on game day. They were not healthy the whole no, year. no, And they fought their tails off, and they were attentive in meetings, and they were honest in the media. And they were really good examples for – the rest of the locker room to follow. And I know Odell missed all of OTAs last year. Keep in mind, those are voluntary, but this, this time around, he recognized that he needed to be more involved because this is another new scheme that he's coming to. Mm -hmm. And he's really trying to get back to the form that he had uh, a couple of years ago with the New York Giants. So I'm not, surprised by either one of these young men stepping up and handling their business the way it needed to be handled. Um, But I don't ever think that they necessarily, when it came to practice and film study, I don't think that was ever a worry. It was that extra stuff that was the worry with Baker, whether he was getting too bogged down with being a celebrity quarterback.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was humbling, obviously, but it, it Matt, that, that's encouraging. You have a motivated—and when he spoke, he's like, look, I'm trying to be more kind of quiet, under the radar, unassuming, which is great. Everybody wants to laud the, the, the Ravens. Sure. Steelers. Okay. I am totally fine with this team being under the radar and a chance to jump up and strike and surprise everybody because really, from this offseason so far— you got Jack Conklin on right tackle. Uh, Joel Batonio was saying that, hey, Jedrick Wills Jr. is totally dialed in. Bill Callahan, the offensive line coach, said, look, we have no concerns with him making that transition and that he's ahead of schedule. Like, it just seems like you never know with players coming out, especially if you're a first-round pick. Does it go to their head? Can they stay focused? Man, it seems like this Jedrick Wills kid is, is absolutely the real deal, and he's ready to go, and he is fully committed to learning and moving to that left side. Um, we won't know, obviously, till you get on the field, but whatever footwork, practicing, whatever they have him doing, he, he seems totally tuned up.
1: The good thing with Jedrick Wills is he seems like the the kind of guy that's going to put in the work yes. to make the best of whatever chance he's gotten. And keep in mind, too, while he is switching to left tackle and everybody's like making a big deal about this, Oh, my God, is he going to make the transition. He's used to protecting the blind side of a quarterback because Tua Tagovailoa was left-handed. And I, I'm not worried about him at all. First of all, he was well-coached. He played at the University of Alabama. And they have ridiculously high standards. And if you don't meet them, you're not playing, and you're not in the program. This kid met him, exceeded him, and became a first-round top-ten pick for a reason. He's a young man that is going to be just fine when the season starts. I don't have any doubt. I mean, there might be some slip-ups along the way, but I don't have any doubt that he is going to be an absolute stud left tackle for this team.
0: Yeah, the offensive line looks like it's in good shape. Um, You have Austin Hooper. Also, hey, receivers, including Austin Hooper, going down and practicing with Baker Mayfield. And that's another initiative for Baker, having some receivers come down. Rashard Higgins, Hooper, uh, I think it was Njoku. um, I think maybe Damian Ratley. I forget. There might have been one or two more. Ratley
1: was there. Yeah, Landry wasn't and Beckham wasn't because both of those guys are recovering from off-season surgery. But some of the guys that, in my opinion, really needed the work. Showed up and did the work, yes. and
0: I love that. Hooper those did. kind of
1: guys. And yeah, Hooper basically uh, it, it kind of instigated it when he said, hey, B- "Hey, Baker, I want to come down. I want to work out with you. I want to see how you throw the ball and what love I it. have to do, it. catch it." And then that morphed into, "Hey, why don't we bring down some more guys?" And I. I like that. I'm very happy about that, to hear that he's taking that active leadership role in the best ways that he can, keeping a small group together, and and trying to help. Um, Ratley didn't see a ton of time last year. Uh, Higgins, for whatever stupid reason the coaches saw fit to not play him, even though he was one of the safety valves of the 2018 season, um, and Njoku, who needs all, in my opinion, and this is going to sound like I'm hating on him, but he needs all the work he can get because mm. he missed all of last year, essentially, yep. or almost all of last year. And when he has been on the field, consistency has been a problem for him. So helping him find that consistency would be very beneficial to Baker Mayfield.
0: Yeah. Well, especially, Matt, with Austin Hooper got the big fat contract. I love that it's not a case that you see with some guys who get paid and they're like, all right, I'm done. I am cool. I am laying back. Austin Hooper took the initiative like that in this system, which is going to be a two tight end set. Very exciting to see that with Austin Hooper uh, going. He, he's going to be a big time weapon, Matt. And it's going to be all about making, or th- this is what I love with Kevin Stefanski, what we've heard so far. He is about making the pieces he has comfortable. What, what can I do to make you the best you, to have you contribute the most? Instead of when you hear, and it goes in any sport and it drives me nuts when it's like, oh, that guy doesn't fit our system. It doesn't matter about your damn system. Work with your players right. to make them better. And it seems like with Stefanski and the style and wanting to get Baker out of the pocket more rolling out, Kirk Cousins was fourth in completion percentage last year. It's, the, it's part of the system. It's doable throws. It's opening things up. Uh, simple run game tight ends, then taking your shot. Like, I, I'm, just, I'm just super pumped. I just hope, Matt, that they're going to be able to get enough time on the field together, in camp whatever, to be able to get any kinks out and, and try to hit the ground running. Because you get off to a nice little start here. You shocked the Ravens, or at least after the first two weeks, you're one and one. Then you could be cooking here.
1: Kevin Stefanski is the coach that I've been with the mindset that I have been begging for, probably since they hired Hugh Jackson, if not Mike Pettin. Yeah, you need a guy that can work with players, not somebody who just need. I need a system guy. I need Mm -hmm. this guy to fit Mm -hmm. my system. I need this guy to fit my system. I need this guy. By the time you hunt and peck for that, you you you're Fired. You, you're, fired. you're fired you're fired three years and teams are moving on you need a guy that can come in there and work with what he's got add when he can figure out what's going on and then move from there and Stefanski seems like he is that kind of guy he really I don't know he won me over pretty quickly uh, at his press conference I like a lot of what he had to say and then I've liked what I've seen so far from him, him taking leadership roles with the, the current situations that we've got going on in the United States. He's taking leadership roles uh, in terms of fundraising for COVID-19 relief. He's really doing a lot to show his players just how committed he is to them, mm-hmm. and that is going to result in them committing more to him.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's everybody helping each other in that word, that in sync harmony with the front office and everything along the way. So, no, it's in good shape. But um, anything else you want to cover, Matt? Otherwise, we'll uh, we'll wrap this up and, uh, you know, kind of circle back with another show when there's when there's more news, when there's more uh, uh, camp and and whatever might be going on.
1: Well, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Hugh Jackson's little radio appearance yes, in Cleveland today
0: on ESPN Cleveland absolutely it was epic Hugh Jackson and you know what I came out of that interview for those who haven't heard it go out of your way to check it out um it was I came away really liking Hugh Jackson again and it it reminded me like man, Matt, it just seemed like he just kind of got caught up in something and he didn't really have a chance and he was just trying to do his best. And there's going to be a – it sounds like a real, like, tell-all book coming out in January that he dropped th- – that bomb that he dropped, too. Like, that was a really cool interview with him just being like, hey, man, you know what? I was told uh, I was here to win. That's why I said I came here to win. And I wasn't lying, but then I wasn't given pieces to win. And it kind of it got off the rails, as we know.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was – he was dealt an interesting hand. Um, there were things that didn't make sense that he did. But I, I think when you look in the hindsight, you, you kind of have to grade it on a curve because they really went full nuclear mode in terms of rebuilding.
0: Yeah. I mean, they desperate. went
1: so far off the reservation that I think they even surprised themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah. Hugh was not in a spot to be able to overcome that. He didn't have the horses in the barn, so to speak. Um, They they really just – they didn't have any elite players, and they tried to win in a league full of elite players with a bunch of normal guys, and that wasn't going to work. And I'm interested to see what is in that book because I'm sure there are stories that were – even that we don't know that we're pretty telling that this was going to fail miserably from the start. I think it's curious timing because January, hopefully we'll be talking about a playoff run. Hmm. And it seemed seems like it could be interjecting himself into the, the discussion about a playoff team, but that's you. I mean, he, he's, he's pretty media savvy that way. So I'm not surprised at all.
0: Yeah. It, it was a really cool interview though. Great work by the guys at uh, ESPN Cleveland. Um, uh, to really chat and get him to open up a little bit. And again, it, it did. It reminded me, cause he was so damn likable, Matt, like everybody, no matter who the coach, we all want them to do well. It was just, it got past him and he got desperate and crazy and he had to do wild things. He even said, he's like, yeah, because I was trying to do anything possible to win. And it it got weird and it just kept yeah. snowballing. I, I can't blame him for that.
1: Yeah. I can't either. You had to think outside the box with the teams that he was given Uh, You you had to think outside the box on how to win because up until 2018, I mean, boy, you know, Andy, from being a fan and I know from reporting on his team for a long time and being a fan of it, those 2016 and 2017 years were the leanest years of my sports life, and I never
0: want to see anything quite no. like that
1: again. Never. Ever. I don't even want to see remotely close to
0: that. No, we're ready for a playoff push, and hopefully we're on our way to that. All right, buddy, we'll we'll chat with you again soon. Great stuff.
1: Sounds good, Andy. You have a good rest of your day. Stay safe, everybody.
0: All right, you too, and same to all of you. Stay safe, be well. For Matt Fleurjancic, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to The Doghouse, your inside look at the Cleveland Browns on SB Nation, Dogs by Nature.